0: Hey everybody! Welcome to another edition of Secondhand Sports. I'm your host, Berg, for today's programming. Matthew could not make it because he is tired of talking about LSU football, frankly, and um, he just said he couldn't do it this time. I'm just kidding. He's he's actually abroad. Um, Get creating content for secondhand sports and outdoors on a hunting trip, so he couldn't make it uh this week, so it's just me. Um never done never done one of these solo before, so we're gonna see how it goes. You know, this this is my first time. It's amazing in the two years of secondhand sports I've never done one solo like this. So um we'll see how it goes. It it, it sucks that Obviously, um, couldn't have picked a worse weekend to be uh, solo because there's not really much good things to talk about. I'll tell – so let's start off with the good things. Start off with LSU. Um, then I'll do a a uh, general overview of the college landscape as usual. Then I'll go to the Saints game and um, my outlook on the NFL – and um, Urban Myers conundrum. So we'll start off with LSU. Here's here's the good things. Our defense looks incredible. <laughs> I think our defense had a good game. Um, it's unfortunate that... And, you know, the offense had a decent game kind of towards the beginning, too. It was, it was almost the tale of two halves, um, but just way too many... Mistakes along the way um, to beat a terrible Auburn team. Make no mistake, Bo Nix is not a very good quarterback, and Auburn in general is not a very good team, um, which makes us look even worse because we have much better talent than Auburn right now. Uh, but our defense did well. I think uh, we have some some standout. Flot looks incredible. Damone Clark had a great game. Jay Ward. Damone Clark had eight tackles, five assists. Jay Ward had six tackles, flat five. Um, so, you know, we have guys flying around the ball, we, playing well on defense. Durante Jones is, seems to have, out of the two coordinators, he is doing well. Jake Peets, on the other hand. So, so one thing I was just thinking about, before I even started recording this, is usually when you have two... We have three aspects of the game. Offense, defense, special teams. And our special teams is still pretty good. It was great last year. Definitely good the year before that. And we're, we're doing okay. Um, even though we had an offsides penalty for on a kickoff. But, you know, in general, special teams is doing okay. And usually when you have two... Out of the three of those, working well, that's a good sign. You can win some football games. Um, but unfortunately, with this offensive scheme that we are running, the offensive programming, just, just down to the core of what we're trying to do is just not clicking at all whatsoever. And I, I may have said it, I think I said it last week or the week before that, but When you have coordinators that have never called plays before, that is not a recipe for a great dish here in the SEC. LSU is not the place to learn how to call plays, especially against these defenses right now Um, and with the talent that you have. If we had even like an inkling, even a, a an average play caller that had a couple years under his belt, then I think we'd be we'd probably we might be undefeated at this point. Um but the play calling entrusting Max Johnson to read the the defense with five seconds left on the clock and adjust coverages just absolutely burning through time on the clock at the, at the end of the game there, when it was crucial that we get down the field, we couldn't could barely even get to the 50 and Max Johnson is just trying. Max Johnson is entrusted with trying to figure out the defense and, and, and run the plays. It's like at this point, a two minute drill, we should have a a script of plays ready to go. It just makes no sense um what's going on in the offense right now. We have talent and we it seems like we always have talent every year. You know, since Odell Beckham Junior, even before that, we've had great talent, but we couldn't put things together in the quarterback position. But things have changed now. I mean, we had Joe Burrow, um, Danny Etling. We've had good quarterbacks, but just the amount of talent that we have right now, we should be winning games. Um we should be able to, to put things should be able to put things together. I think it also starts the offensive line is an obvious kind of where it starts where the where the stuff starts to crumble. Um towards the beginning we were trying to run the ball, couldn't couldn't get much. Even um I mean the the big the big name right now is Corey Cory Kiner. Five carries, twenty two yards. Um I mean, towards the beginning we couldn't run the ball, and then in the fourth quarter we simply refused to run the ball. Um, they were they never rushed more than four in the fourth quarter. Sometimes we're rushing three. I mean, they were just like, okay, well, if you're not going to even try to run, then we're going to play our pass protection. So um, it's just sad. It's incredible how how where we are in LSU football when since Leonard Fournette and Darius Geis it's like we've had we haven't had an LSU team that couldn't run the ball in a very very long time um but that's where we're at so um next kind of where this conversation goes is Coach O at this point um where where does he play a part in all of this? I think the big, uh, obviously, I mean, if if he loses to Kentucky next week, if he loses to Kentucky this weekend, I think, I mean, he's definitely probably going to get fired at the end of the season because we're not going to beat Alabama. We we may may have six wins this whole season. Um, at this point, at this rate, if nothing improves, because here here is the thing, too. About Coach O's, he keeps promising improvement with absolutely zero results. So if that continues, I think he's gone. But the difference between him and, like, let's say, Les Miles, Les Miles was running an ineffective team as well, and it seemed like he simply refused to change his ways. Whereas Ogeron, I mean, it. From what we can tell, he tried his best to surround himself with good coordinators. Now you know hindsight's twenty twenty, and we're looking back on the the coaches that were there in twenty nineteen, and Dave Aranda was already there. Uh, we kind of lucked out with Joe Brady, so some of the seeds had already been planted before Ogeron really had an effect on that. So we're starting to see um, that Ogeron is incapable of surrounding himself with good coordinators or, you know, maybe incapable. We we knew, and I've been saying it for forever, he's not an X's and O's guy. He's not going to be able to start taking over the play calling and managing the game. He His kind of mindset is to surround himself with good coordinators, and he has not been able to do that. Um, this season, he... he Said Bo Pelini wasn't his decision, and now he's got his team and his people, and his people are not working out. So um, Les Miles refused to change. Ogeron, I think, is incapable at this point, um, which sucks. I mean, obviously, we had a great season with him in 2019. He was the the guy from LSU. I mean, what a dream, you know, growing up in Louisiana, looking up to LSU. Um, head coach in a, in a few places, USC, old Miss, and you finally end up back at your home, um, at LSU. And now it's just incredible, um, where we are at this point. <laughs> so, um, just thinking about this game too, in general, just to, to one, you know, last, last few things about the Auburn game, um, at the beginning of this game i, I was watching I, I admit i wasn't you know 100% locked in i was at a wedding um, that my fiance was in so i couldn't couldn't focus 100% um, but we were doing well you know we were dominating we were leading um, i was thinking heck yeah you know we're back where everyone was doubting us even i was doubting us but we were playing well we were we were doing okay making some mistakes on offense offensive lines still extremely mediocre but that's what we have at this point so there's not much you can do but defense you know was really holding up and this was going to be a huge win for us you know beating Auburn a rivalry keeping the streak alive which is I haven't even mentioned that Bo Nix wasn't even alive the last time Auburn won in Baton Rouge and here we are Um, so it was going to be a huge win and we were playing confidently and then in one quarter, basically like the last 10 minutes of the game, it all just withered away. <laughs> so we were leading with until three minutes left in the game and just absolutely pissed away that time. Um, if you watch the game, I'm, I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm not breaking new ground at this point, but it's just, you know, my thoughts. So it just, I think we're too talented to have stuff like this happen. In that last play, I mean, Max is playing his butt off. If if Max Johnson is a good quarterback, if you don't think Max Johnson is a good quarterback, then you're not paying attention. He's just he is a, a true sophomore trying to run an offense, and just so much is res- of the responsibility is on him. It's ridiculous. Um, that last throw that ended up being to absolutely nobody. I thought that ball was... I mean, as soon as it launched, I was like, oh yeah, he's got a completion, no doubt whatsoever. And it just went nowhere. It was like, he threw the ball so confidently and it's just amounted to nothing. Um, So, I don't know. Um, It's just tough to watch. Brutal. And it just, I don't think... It's like along with the Saints game, these two losses just were just not fun to watch football wise so looking ahead um Kentucky beat Florida <laughs> i before you know on on at f- taking that game at face value, I did not watch the game um but I was thinking, holy smokes, we have to go to Kentucky. Um, They, they beat Florida 2013 last weekend. Um, And just in upon, you know, further review that it was kind of a gimmicky win. So I think we might have uh, a stand a chance Um, that just from what I heard, there was some weird, like a blocked um, field goal and a, a bunch of weird penalties and stuff. So, um, from my my source Warren Arsenault, we are a better team than Kentucky. But you never know. I mean, Kentucky rank is undefeated, ranked number sixteen, and we just lost to a piss poor Auburn team. So um, you know, there's there's no telling at this point. I think if we lose if we go to Kentucky and lose, then um, Ogeron might be gone by the middle of this season because our our Outlook does not look good as far as the the rest of this season. The problem is you fire Ogeron, and there is absolutely nobody on his staff that could take over his interim right now. So I think that's that's the issue there. Um, but, yeah, you have Florida, Ole Miss, who played with uh, – that, that was tough. Lane Kiffin saying get your popcorn ready and then absolutely – Getting uh, curb stomped by Alabama, so um, we we might be able to beat Ole Miss. We beat them last year, and they looked they played with Alabama last year, so um, that could be an interesting game too. Florida doesn't look fantastic; they um, lost to Kentucky, so you know it, it could be wide open. But at this rate, it doesn't look good. <laughs> it does not look good. So, um, obviously people speculating about coaches at this point. Um, lots of, lots of things can happen. I know the USC job is open. The sentiment around, uh, the different media and stuff like that that I've seen is the USC job isn't going to get filled until LSU does. So, um, that's going to be, you know, a big question. Lane Kiffin would be a great coach, I think, for LSU, after the, the popcorn comments, even though he did get absolutely mollywopped by Alabama after that, he still, I think fits the culture. And I think that's, you know, a big thing. We were talking in our group text to Mac, shout out Mac Thompson, Charlie Thompson's little brother. Um, he said that Billy Napier would be a good choice. And we've talked about that before. He is coming from a smaller school, but he's a culture builder and he respects the job at this point. It's hard to say that Coach O respects the job. He's, you know, trying to almost, it seems like, treat it like a celebrity position. He's um, not necessarily shying away from pictures being taken of him. He's, you know, beating his chest saying, I'm the the coach at LSU. And at this point, it's like, just be a, a coach in the SEC, man. You know? We don't... That's all fine and good, and it was fun during the 2019 season. It was a great story, but we want to win football games. <laughs> we don't want to get absolutely embarrassed by Bo Nix um, in Death Valley. So that's you know what I'll I'll say about that. The Cocho era just seems to be collapsing at this point. Um, so yeah. D- as far as coaches that I think will, will be going there, like I said, Lane Kiffin would be a good one. Luke Fickle, maybe. I think Luke Fickle is going to end up going to USC because the AD at USC hired him um, in the past. So, um, And then there's also the Penn State head coach. So lots of different interesting moves. Some people have said and have seen clips talking about Scott Woodward going to get Nick Saban, I think there is absolutely no chance you pull Nick Saban away from Alabama when he's got this much momentum behind him. and They're the number one team in the country. They've been in the top four for the past, like, 1,500 years. There's, uh, I just don't see that happening. But, you know, that's my opinion. Um, so if you're here for my opinion, I don't believe Nick Saban will be Returning to LSU after winning so many championships and recruiting for so long at Alabama. Um, so that's uh, yeah. Looking ahead, sorry, kind of got off track there. Looking ahead, Kentucky's a good football team. They do have some guys hurt, and like I said, the the uh, the game against Florida was kind of fluky, but they I've been saying it since. Early this season, they're a good football team. They're 5-0. They don't and have great wins. I mean, you're looking at ULM, Missouri, Chattanooga, and South Carolina <laughs> other than a bad Florida team. So um, not huge wins, but LSU is a bad LSU team. So um, you, at this point, you never know what can happen. Just a brief look at the other games this past weekend, Iowa, um, Iowa's a fun team to watch. I think they're, they're number three right now. Um, with these, the, the newest rankings, they beat the heck out of Maryland. Um, Georgia beating the dog snot out of Arkansas. Once again, I'm not sure if I said it last in the last episode, but Arkansas is a fun team to watch. I just don't, their strength of schedule has been extremely weak. They haven't played anybody elite like Georgia, and I think that that showed. I mean, they just 37 to 0 uh Georgia in that game. So, um that was that was tough. I was I was excited for Arkansas, but that was um that was a rough game for them. So, also, uh Oregon had a lot of momentum these past few weeks, and they fell to Stanford 31-24. Um, and then the the big game, Alabama beating Mississippi State 42-21 with uh, Lane Kiffin saying, get your popcorn ready and uh, throw in the, the headset, which was a great move. I mean, in theory, coming off of last season's game between those two, that was a good game. You know, that was fun to watch. So he probably thought that it was going to be similar. And um, he thought he had a Heisman contender Heisman contender in Matt Corral. Um, but that was not the case against Alabama. And once again... Alabama remains the number one team in the country, which is so boring. I wish it was at least Georgia, just to mix it up a little bit because their defense is fun to watch. But um yeah, Alabama's number one. Woohoo, another season. And yeah. Ole Miss coming up this weekend, Old Miss plays Arkansas. That should be a fun game to watch. So there's that. Um, looking ahead at the other uh, the landscape here, um, Cincinnati is number five. They that was another big game. So let me go back one more time. Uh, Cincinnati beating Notre Dame. Notre Dame is done at this point. I mean they they try to uh, you know compete and uh, they want playoff spots, but I think after that loss, they're probably going to be out. And if Cincinnati goes undefeated, they might have a shot at the playoffs and it's possible to, they have temple UCF Tulane Tulane was kind of Tulane was playing with Oklahoma. So you never knew there, um, Navy Tulsa, South Florida, East Carolina, and SMU. So, um, Cincinnati could go undefeated for the rest of the season. And at that point, if the playoff committee does not let them in, then there's literally nothing else Cincinnati can do at that point. So um, that would suck for them for sure. <laughs> but I mean, it's, you know, if you're not playing in a very strong conference and um, you don't have a good strength of schedule, then that's kind of how that happens. So it's unfortunate. What I think is going to happen is they will, you know, either go undefeated or lose only one game. Luke Fickle going to go, You know, either USC or some other job, and Cincinnati will go back to uh, kind of dissolving into irrelevance after that. So, uh, But we'll see, you know. We'll see. They play Temple coming up this weekend. Um, Other big games, the the Red River shootout, Oklahoma and Texas, even though Oklahoma's sixth, Texas is ranked 21st. It's not going to be, I don't think that's going to be a, you know, Super close game. Texas fell to Arkansas, and they aren't looking spectacular. But it's, you know, it's week to week. There's all kinds of things that can happen. Um, So, yeah. Interesting game there. A classic, obviously. Um, Arkansas will miss. That's going to be a fun game to watch. Um, Georgia going to Auburn. Auburn is probably going to get their uh, pants kicked in after the game that you know riding high this will probably be a hangover game for them Um, because Georgia's defense is our defense is good but it's it's no Georgia defense so um yeah we'll see about that one and then uh, Penn State Iowa that's gonna be a big game there for sure that's number four and three they play at 3 p.m. on Saturday that's a game to watch for sure um that's you know playoff implications right there that could be uh uh we might have a rematch of them down the road so they'll probably mix it up but still you know um could be seeing that down the road and um Alabama's playing Texas A&M and A&M does not look good this year at all so also uh Something that I just forgot to mention when talking about LSU, Stingley is out indefinitely now with a uh, after a procedure on his foot. So um, there goes him. <laughs> um, next man up, obviously. And like I said, our defense is doing well. And I, I think I've said it in podcasts before, but um, Stingley this year is not the 2019 Stingley that we once had. And I think we're going to be okay without him. So um, it's unfortunate, but uh, I think... And, and that, that, you know, I might be talking complete nonsense right now. That might be because they aren't throwing in his direction. But it just doesn't seem like he's making the plays that he did um, in 2019. So one thing that's that's funny too, just in general is like the the Facebook LSU fans that are constantly like just ride or die for LSU and are constantly like stop talking smack about Kocho and he's gonna figure it out, he's gonna put it together. Like there's so much, you know, smack talk about my LSU Tigers. It's like, yeah, dude, we love watching LSU too. We want us to do well. We, it, To me, it seems like we do way more research. Like, Matt and I were, were literally looking at football scoop every day when Coach O was trying to find his coordinators. You know, like, there's obvious signs that um, there's some dysfunction. So... We're LSU fans too. I, I don't want to see LSU fail. Like I said, during this Auburn game, I was like, "Hell yeah! He here. He's putting it together. We're gonna be okay." Auburn's gonna be a big win, and then it all fell apart. So, um, just just to just something to note. I'm not trying to you know talk smack about Coach O. Just for the sake of it, I love Coach O. I'm sure he's a nice man. But something's got to change. You know, I don't know if, if it's him refusing to change or if he's incapable, um, but something has to change. And it's not that I'm not an LSU fan or that Matt's not an LSU fan. We just want us to be successful, and we don't want uh, our team to get embarrassed by a terrible Auburn team or um, going to Kentucky and um, get embarrassed there as well. So another thought that I had just since we're in the mind of Berg and I have the, the mic and I can talk about whatever I want. I have all the power here in this episode. Um, something that I was thinking about, it's funny that some people literally just watch their teams. Like you have some football fans that are literally die hard LSU fans are diehard Saints fans and all they watch is the LSU game during the weekend or all they watch is the Saints game, whereas probably a lot of the people listening to this podcast and most, you know, most young people our age watch like as many games as they possibly can. And some of that has to do with sports gambling and fantasy football, especially fantasy football. But it's just funny thinking about how there's you know some LSU fans out there that are unconcerned with how Cincinnati or Iowa is doing. They they don't know that Oregon is a hot team, but they have one loss. Whereas it's like we are constantly we constantly have our finger on the pulse and are kind of in touch with the landscape of college football. So. Um yeah, just a little anecdote there. Moving along to the Saints game, another very disappointing loss. I'm sorry this this podcast is so somber, but we're going to get to some some fun stuff um towards the end here, but moving on to the Saints game, we looked we made the Giants look like an elite NFL team. Um once again, Leading pretty much the entire game and then just pissing it away at the very end. Um, And you saw it, I mean, in overtime when um, whoever, I don't even know who did the the coin toss for the Giants, but he knew as soon as they won the coin toss that they were going to win, and they did. I mean, our defense has been playing well. Like I said last episode, we have a great defense and I said, maybe we even have the top three defense. Well, the defense that was playing in the Superdome was not a top three defense in the NFL. So um, we made Daniel Jones look like Aaron Rodgers. He was 28 for 40. He had 400 yards. Um, so it's just frustrating. few things to note in this game for me Jameis Winston only had 23 passing attempts. He was 17 for 23. Alvin Kamara alone ran more times than Jameis Winston threw the ball. Um, I think it's it's a combination of growing pains, Jameis getting used to his wide receiver core. Um, you know, it, it takes a while, and he even said in a press conference recently, like. Drew Brees and Sean Payton didn't dial up the Saints' offense in one season. It it took them a little while. Now, granted, they went to the NFC Championship the first season they were, season they were together, but still, um, it takes time. It takes time to build chemistry. It takes time for Sean Payton to trust Jameis Winston to to manage the game as the quarterback. You know, but Sean Payton is an incredible play caller. Our offense are. Our offense was doing well, um, but it's just tough to see Jameis kind of held back like that. So that's that's going to be something to watch going forward. He did have 226 yards, one touchdown. Um, Taysom Hill, he was he had a few <sighs> passing attempts as well. He was two for three, nine yards, and threw a t- terrible interception. I mean, turnover Taysom strikes again. It it makes no sense to me how, um, how, I mean, it does make sense, you know, you want to mix it up on offense, but when you have Jameis, why do you have Taysom Hill throwing it deep down the field? It makes no sense. Um, So, yeah, those are just some things they're going to have to figure out on offense. Alvin Kamara played incredible. He had 120 yards, So um, and Taysom Hill ran it a few times. He's good as a runner. He's a good gadget player. Um, It's just something we're going to have to figure out Passing wise, um, so it's my thoughts there. Credit to the Giants that came into the Superdome. I thought, okay, after Hurricane Ida, Saints haven't been in the dome in a full pack. I mean, Jameis still, I think, has yet to experience starting a game in a in a packed dome before this. You know, before this past weekend, and um coming off of a hurricane a little bit of not not necessarily nearly as bad as hurricane Katrina but they haven't been at home in like a month and um I thought they were going to win one for the city but that did not occur so I thought they were a slam dunk and I didn't think the Giants were stupendous but the Giants were 0-3 and it is hard for an NFL team to lose four games in a row. You know, generally, un- unless you're the Jaguars, it's it's tough. So, um, you know, credit to them. Daniel Jones looked really good. Like I said, he had 400 passing yards. Saquon Barkley, he is back. He is doing very well. Um, and, yeah, they, they tore us up. So, that's pretty much the, the recap there. That was also not a fun game to it was fun during the game, but you could tell it kind of had those vibes, you know it kind of had that uh there were some uh- oh moments towards the end of that game when we let them back in and then in overtime um just absolutely brutal so but like I said we like I've said in the past, we do have very good defense. If we had prime Drew Brees with this defense, we'd definitely be at least making it to the Super Bowl. So, I think Jameis still has plenty of time to improve, and I think we're going to be okay. just takes time. So, if you've made it this far in the podcast, I sure do appreciate it. Um, Like I said, I've never done one solo before, so I feel like I'm just talking to a wall I appreciate each and every single one of you guys, like I normally say. Um, big game, this—the one of the bigger games uh, story-wise this past weekend was the Buccaneers. Tom Brady's return to Foxborough, and it was actually a game. I thought it was going to be a beatdown. I thought the Buccaneers were going to go up there to Foxborough and kick the crap out of the Patriots because Patriots are a rebuilding team. They are in a rebuild right now. Um, and Mac Jones is our rookie, but he played exceptionally well. I mean, he, the, even Tom Brady even said it in his post game interview credit to Mac. I mean, he, he played with poise. It came down to a field goal towards the end. And, um, that's just how it happens. Sometimes either team could have won that game. So, um, Good game there. One thing I just wanted to note about that. Just because I'm in the football world, I have my finger on the pulse for some games, and I was interested in this game for sure. So I was watching some of the press conferences that Belichick and and Brady were doing, and it it finally kind of occurred to me. People start have been memeing and start, you know, talking about Belichick's long answers about long snappers and punters, the history of punters. And it finally dawned on me that this is literally just clock management. He is just stalling and taking up time because these reporters, and I don't know if it's you know, Foxborough or Boston. I'm sure a lot of it is Boston, but uh, maybe New York to these reporters ask the stupidest questions I've ever heard. Like if you have the chance to talk to one of the geniuses in football, obviously he's not going to give away like their plan and their scheme, but he has shown that he's open to talk about football. But all these reporters do is ask the dumbest questions, and especially for this one, talking about, like, is Tom a tough quarterback to defend against? And Belichick was literally like, are you serious? Like, is that the question? Of course he's one of the best quarterbacks of all time. Of course he's tough to defend against. And then they asked him, in your tenure, what are some of the other quarterbacks that have been tough to defend against. It's like, dude, that has nothing to do with this game coming up. None of they kept asking him about Tom's relationship the, some book that's coming out. It's like no wonder Belichick wants to talk about long snappers for so long. It's like they, when you ask the dumbest questions, and you have this ten minute window where you can ask the goat of NFL coaching, you know, about what his philosophy is about linebackers or. Or, you know, even long snappers. Why not ask him about that? You know, why not try to get some, some football knowledge? But I know it's a business, you know. It's the media, and they have to get a story. But, man, that's the is Tom a tough quarterback to defend against? That was by far one of the stupidest questions I've ever heard from uh, the media. So... Just a little, just a little note there. Um, the Monday night game was fun to watch. Two Chargers, um, Raiders at Chargers. Chargers coming out twenty-eight fourteen, and I say it was fun to watch because I had Justin Herbert as my quarterback in fantasy, and he played very well. Um, but just you know, the Chargers are a fun team to watch after years and I mean pretty much my entire lifetime of watching them be super mediocre, other than when Drew Brees was the quarterback, obviously. They were really good. And LaDainian Tomlinson. But, I mean, the Philip Rivers regime there, they were just, something bad always happened to them. So it's fun to watch them, you know, take a, a turn for the better. Um, Austin Eckler played well played well. Jared Cook was their leading receiver. I guess he found out how to actually catch a football. He had 70 yards with 6 receptions. Um so just, you know, uh fun to watch that that Los Angeles Chargers team. They're 3 and 1 now. Um and there there's a few other teams that are kind of surprising uh the Cardinals are the only undefeated team still, and um, the Raiders are also three and one. They're kind of a, a, a feisty team. The Broncos have have done well. They got beat by the Ravens 23-7, but um I think Teddy Bridgewater might be out for a concussion. So they're they're fun to watch. But there's a lot of, you know, feisty teams out there. Um kind of centering around Well, also before I get to the Bengals Jaguars game, the Jets Finally, 1-1, uh, they beat the Titans 27-24. That's another kind of case where it's hard to lose four games in a row in the NFL. And, um, yeah, good for the Jets, you know. Uh, Max, I mean, <clears throat> Zach Wilson was had some great throws. He was 21 for 34, almost 300 yards, two touchdowns. You could tell he was amped up for sure, so hopefully he can um you know find a a rhythm there with the Jets, but we'll see it's the Jets, you know they're gonna win one every now and then, but good for Zach Wilson he's gotta win the other big game last week was the Jaguars at the Bengals in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, Bengals are doing well. I mean, they're, they're three and one Joe Burrow has been tearing it up. You know, he's, he had almost, well, he 348 passing yards, two touchdowns. Joe Mixon is doing very well. Um, Jamar Chase, you know, we've talked about it. He's, he can catch, he can still play. Um, so the, the Bengals are, are doing well. The Jaguars have lost four in a row and I think they've actually lost, 19 in a row now they are they still haven't won a game since Gardner Minshew was there um however Trevor Lawrence does seem one one bright spot in that team he does seem to be progressing I mean, he's a rookie you know it's it's tough um when you go to a completely terrible team I mean the Jaguars had the number one pick for a reason um He was 17 for 24, 200 yards. So, he is improving. But, the story of this week, obviously, at this point, you are all probably aware that Urban Meyer did not fly back with the team on Thursday night and uh, stayed in Cincinnati, Ohio. I we actually went to Columbus and went to one of, I, honestly, I haven't looked. It might be one of his bars or something, but um, all I know is his name and the a picture of him and his wife are on the wall at the bar that he was at where he was videoed and um, where pictures were taken of him with a very young uh, young lady um, that was very close to him. <laughs> and obviously, you know, the, the videos have come out. He's apologized. He said a stupid mistake. Um, he, quote-unquote, owned up to it, even though he, like, started talking about Trevor Lawrence at one point, and his apology was just... So weird. That whole situation had nothing to do with Trevor Lawrence. And um, just very strange, very strange situation in Jacksonville right now. Um, So I'll just get right into it. Urban Meyer, like I've been saying, Urban Meyer to me does not fit the description of an NFL head coach. I mean, he did great in college coaching college age kids but it's so much different in the NFL when you have guys playing for the money they don't they're not playing for the love of football anymore they're not playing to make it to the league they're in the league and they're getting paid a lot of money to play football and you just it's just a different game and um, at this point in the week I've heard all kinds of takes about it. Never in, like, probably the history of the recent history of the NFL has a coach not flown back with a team, especially a team that's 0-4 like they are. That in itself is such a bad look for a coach, a first-year coach that thinks he's a big shot, it's like he, you just, you know, what it boils down to is he can't get away with the stuff that he was getting away with at Ohio State or in college at Florida, you know, whatever. So it's just very interesting what's going to happen with him. Um, some people were saying that, like, he is trying to get fired so he could go take the USC job. I don't think that's it. I think his heart is just not in it anymore like he tried to give it a good good run and he was just way in over his head. He's had issues with um players and coaches already where he's trying to control things and I mean he's he was a very successful college head coach and you just can't treat NFL players like college players. They're they're grown adults. I listened to uh the Pete Prisco interview On pardon my take, shout out. Pardon my take, a a lesser known podcast. Um, You know, shout out those guys. If if you haven't listened to them, they're a great small sports outfit. You know, sports podcast outfit, and um, we'd love to have those guys on if they want to promote their stuff. But Pete Prisco was talking about how um, Urban said that uh, they had some disagreements with their uh, running back. I believe C.J. Henderson. Um, before they traded him, and Urban said that he had a great conversation with CJ, and he had a great conversation with CJ's parents as well. And that, to me, pretty much sums up the kind of disconnect with Urban Meyer and um, the job of an NFL head coach. Talking to a player's parents when he's getting paid millions of dollars to play football, just that just doesn't make any sense at all whatsoever. Um, as the, the, the kids on the block say, he did not understand the assignment here. old urban Meyer. Um, and I think, I think he'll probably, I I don't see him not finishing the season, but I do think, um, this will be the end, the last season for this experiment. Um, And the USC job is open. There's lots of... uh, The LSU job will probably open up. (laughs) And there's going to be some schools that have coaches leaving. Penn State job is probably going to open up. Um, I don't think Urban Meyer is going to go to Cincinnati. But, you know, there might be something that is attractive to him. The thing is, Urban Meyer is getting older. Nick Saban has been very good at adapting and, and as far as like recruiting wise, he, he's good at the, the zoom calls and things like that, even though his uh, zoom camera looks like he's on an Android. um, He's still um, adapting. And so that's one thing I think urban lacks is that, you know, he's, he's not sticking with the times there. So recruiting is tough, but we'll see. It's just, that's, that's, an interesting uh, time down there in Jacksonville. And um, I just, the one thing I hope, you know, I I just feel sorry for Trevor Lawrence because once again, you get a team with a first round draft pick and it's a team with a first round draft pick for a reason, <laughs> just like the jets. Um, and these rookie quarterbacks go into terrible situations and it just sucks, you know. And so I hope, hopefully Trevor Lawrence can get him a good quarterbacks coach and a, and a good um, head coach eventually. And hopefully he finds some success in the, in the NFL. Um, one thing also uh, to note is Justin Fields was named the starting quarterback for the Bears here today. Today's Wednesday when I'm recording this, so good for him. So finally, finally, Matt Nagy is admitting that he's better quarterback than Andy Dalton. So, um, yeah. So, there's that as well. So, that's the, the Urban Meyer update. That's very, very interesting times down there in Jacksonville. Looking ahead for the Saints coming up this weekend. Um, we're going to Washington to play the football team. Um, they just beat the Falcons 34-30. So, uh, if you're only beating the Falcons by four points, that's you know, um, got to beat the Falcons by more than that because the Falcons suck. So you know the Saints, Saints might have a shot here. Um, I don't think it. I believe yeah, it's an outdoor stadium, but um, which I've I've said many times, the Saints suck outdoors. But it, you know, Washington, the weather there is is fairly normal. Um, we gotta put things together. Like I said, I think our, our big issue is the offense clicking at all cylinders right now. Sean Payton knows it for sure. I think Jameis Winston knows it. And I think they know what they have to do. So um that that's gonna be their Washington just their defense is struggling. They've got Taylor Heineke is an okay quarterback. Um, Some might say he's like a a future Fitzpatrick, you know, just making things happen. Um, He threw three touchdowns last week, almost had 300 passing yards. So he's, he's feisty, but once again, that was against the Falcons. So, you know, Um, so Saints are going to have to, to get their stuff together because we've got, you know, pretty decent schedule coming up here. Yeah. we have, uh, I'll tell you, the next few games here. We're going to Washington, and then to Seattle. Then we got the Bucks coming to town. Falcons. That'll be a fairly easy game. And then we go to to the Titans and to the Eagles. So um, there's some good games in there, and anybody can win in the NFL. It's a lot different than college. There's no Vanderbilts. There's no Missouris. And um, got to be playing well. Hopefully, we can start putting things together on the offense. Like I said, the defense is weaker for Washington, even though they they played pretty well last year. They are weaker this year, and hopefully we can start getting some rhythm. And I think also now that the team isn't displaced, that will help tremendously. Because that's one thing to think about this Giants game too. Once again, we were still out of our home. like The Saints weren't in New Orleans for weeks, so... Um, that's just as a human being playing sports, that's just tough. So, um, yeah, hopefully we can, we can pull it out for Washington. If you haven't noticed (laughs) these two games coming up, I am having a hard time finding hope (laughs) for these football teams that I love and I root for. So we are, I I think the Saints are better than the football team, and I think that LSU is better than Kentucky. Now, does that make a difference on the field? I mean, these teams have showed that it doesn't make a difference on the field, so we'll see. I uh, remain um, cautiously optimistic about these games. So that's... uh, (laughs) That's uh all I have to say about that. Um other team that is fun to watch also that I haven't talked about that much is the Panthers. Um Joe Brady and um Sam Darnold. I just like I said with the Jets situation. I love to see Sam Darnold actually thrive in a good offense and they are a division, you know, division team and that sucks, but um, it's fun to watch that offense so you know shout out to Sam Dartle, Terrace Marshall Jr, Dante Action Jackson. There's a lot of LSU players out there so um, fun to watch them as well. And uh since you know since this is just one big long stream of consciousness podcast, um, speaking of Joe Brady, that's one thing the LSU needs to like. Truly bury and just completely rid themselves of, which is it's going to be difficult because Jake Peets did coach with, you know, he was kind of an understudy to Joe Brady. But having hit pictures of him on the sideline talking about how great it was with him is not helping you at all whatsoever right now this season. Um, and T-Bob and and Matt Moscona talked about it on their podcast, like chasing the ghost of Joe Brady is not going to help us at all whatsoever. So that's something we definitely need to move on, move on from. Um, and I think having a regime change, you know, once Coach O is gone, there's no telling how many coaches are going to stick around from his staff. Special teams coach is very good, but um, that's something that LSU definitely needs to just, like, 2019 was great. Joe Brady is awesome, but it's time to move on from that. So that's my final, final words about LSU, and hopefully we have some good news to talk about, you know, next week. And that about does it for me once again, if you've listened this long, I appreciate it. <laughs> once again, I've never done this before, so um, hopefully it turned out great. you know, I think towards the beginning, I was a little bit annoying it stuttering a little bit, but you know finished off strong, unlike the uh, the Saints and the LSU Tigers. Started off rocky and finishing great. They started off great and finished terrible. So hopefully this weekend we can patch some things up. And Matt should be back next week for the next edition of Secondhand Sports. Once again, we appreciate each and every single one of you guys. We love all of y'all. And we will see you next time.